0: What up, HyperChange? Welcome to another episode. Today we're talking about the oil price collapse yesterday, a historic moment in financial history as the future price of oil went to negative $37 per barrel. This is the first time the price of oil has ever gone negative in the futures market. Um, This is a landmark. Just moment for financial markets and commodities in general. So I want to break down how this is even possible and how, if the price of oil stays depressed for a long time, that could impact the adoption of electric vehicles and potentially the sale of Teslas. So let's just start by the oil price chart here. Um, you can see oil trading about sixty dollars to start the year, sort of in this downtrend, getting worse and worse as the illness nineteen outbreak continued, with things really starting to deteriorate in March, with us going from about fifty dollars a barrel to start the month down to twenty dollars per barrel to end the month, and then throughout. April. It was holding around the mid $20 per barrel range and then absolutely fell off a cliff yesterday going negative. It's at about nine bucks, I guess, as I'm recording this episode. Um, So how does this happen? What actually went on? So it's very important to remember that what are we looking at? What is the price here? This is the price of a futures contract for oil. So this is very important because you might be like, how does something go below zero? Because you actually have to take physical delivery of oil barrels. I think each contract is like a thousand barrels of oil. Like these are big jugs of like toxic. Toxic chemicals that you literally have to take delivery of, um, you know, say you're buying this contract, your long oil, you have to actually accept the physical delivery of the goods. And so what's been happening, you know, this weird sort of nuance um, of the markets hasn't really mattered in the long run because if you didn't actually want the oil, you could always just sell it to someone else right before the contract expired who actually did need the oil, someone in the industry. But now there's the entire oil industry has been totally rocked by this economic crisis. I mean, economic output has just stalled. I mean, I don't have to tell you why, you know, illness COVID-19 outbreak. Nobody's leaving their homes. This particularly affects the transportation sector of the economy. Everybody's driving. Nobody's driving to and from work. Airplane travel is falling off a cliff, and these are the huge drivers of oil consumption. And so if nobody's consuming oil, demand is dropping off a cliff, and you know there is only so much oil they can store. So while demand has fallen off the cliff, there's been a massive continuation of supply. They just keep flooding the market with more and more supply. And oil is very, very interesting um, and very geopolitically a fascinating commodity because not only do you have huge companies like Exxon and Chevron who are trying to you know make a profit and stay afloat and find their lower production costs, you also have nation states competing here. We're talking about Saudi Arabia, Russia. Their cost to produce oil is way lower than some of these U.S. companies. They say the price in Saudi Arabia to produce oil is just a couple couple dollars per barrel, so they can still sell it at $10 per barrel and make a profit and get everyone out of the industry before the price rises. So you have all of these crazy dynamics going on in the oil market, but essentially what this has related to up until now Has been a massive influx of supply, um, and people are storing more and more oil because nobody's using it. But you know the supply keeps coming online, and so eventually this reached a tipping point, and that was yesterday. And because of the weird structure of this future pricing contract, you literally had to take delivery of oil. But because there was nowhere to store it, there's oil everywhere. There's too much of it. Everybody has oil, and nobody needs it. Then all of a sudden, this massive asset of having getting to take delivery of a thousand barrels of oil just turned into a liability because no one else would buy it. And so then you sort of had this downward death spiral of we have all these contracts, let's get out of them because they're worthless and potentially have negative value. And so, at some point, you know, taking delivery of oil, storing oil, this toxic chemical has costs associated with it. And so, that's why people are literally paying someone negative dollars um, with the value of this contract to take oil off their hands. And so You know, um, so at a high level here, this is really just a symptom of an on-paper trading futures mechanism of why the price went negative. Um, But it also just really, you know, the fact that we hit this breaking point really signals a fascinating inflection in the sort of power dynamics of the oil industry. And you can really see that I think this is, you know, this is a time of reckoning that has been a long time coming because I think a lot of reasons, you know, electric vehicles, um, oil goes into a lot of plastics. um, You know, I just think there's generally been sort of a wake-up call as more economies shift to green energy. Energy and renewables that long-term, the structural demand for oil could go down. And now, as the economy paused, we're sort of accelerating the, this massive implosion of the industry. And you think about all of these companies like Exxon and Chevron, and you know, I don't even, I not I won't even mention some of these smaller mid-tier who are even more levered uh, oil and gas producers. I mean, these guys are in desperate need of capital. Their entire way their company is structured is they have massive balance sheets, they have reserves, you know, and they price their whole reserves and their balance sheet and how much debt they can take on based on the value of all these you know oil sitting in the ground that they own but if the price of oil collapses the value of those reserves collapse as well that totally distorts the leverage ratio on the balance sheet i mean you can really see how these are very highly levered in my opinion house of cards and Bring it back to Grammy, shout out to my grandma. Um, I think she is a perfect microcosm of what has happened with these oil stocks and a lot of old companies in the economy. These retirees own oil companies in their portfolios for the dividend. Many of these oil companies are dividend aristocrats and have been raising their dividend every single year for decades. This is something that old people just rely on and count on um, for their income and they can't sell. But what is happening is although the, a dividend has been increasing and ramping, the core earnings and value and intrinsic you know, cash flow of that asset has not been growing at the same rate. And over time, this has been increasingly levering and stretching out and causing strain on these business models. Just to put things in perspective, in January, this is a note that I read about ExxonMobil that I actually sent to my dad about Grammy saying, <laughs> uh, sorry, Grammy, um, you know, because I, I feel bad because I'm like, Grandma, like, don't invest in oil. Oil's not the future. It sucks. And these companies are crappy run companies. So um, it, this is the note. It says, Exxon Mobil shares closed Thursday, lowest since October 2010. The company's malaise runs deeper than the weak state of the crude oil market. CEO Darren Woods is running a counter-cyclical strategy by investing heavily in new oil and gas assets, continuing to on a windfall of cash to arrive from the investments in the mid to late 2020s. Keep in mind, this is a CEO talking about how much money they're going to make in 10 years. Well, he's making millions of dollars now, probably going to be retired by then. He doesn't actually really care what's going to happen. But anyway, the point is, Exxon is ramping capital spending above $30 billion per year, in the short term cost of those investments is that the company cannot fund dividend payouts with cash generated from operations, instead resorting to asset sales and borrowing, according to Edward Jones analyst Jennifer Rollin, making Exxon the clear outlier among big oil companies. They also point here, following Chevron's big asset write-down last month, Um, Analysts at J.P. Morgan thinks Exxon may have to follow suit, which would be a negative for optics. So anyway, at a high level here, this was January, this was pre-illness 19 outbreak, Uh, Exxon was still, was basically like, okay, we can't cut our dividend because then our whole, you know, equity is going to collapse, all these people are going to stop buying it, so we'll do anything we possibly can to keep that dividend going up, including selling off assets, Um, even though we know that our internal cash flow can't even pay this dividend, like I think that's ridiculous. And so, awful fiscal management from Exxon heading into this crisis, and then what's their strategy right now. With oil at 60 bucks a barrel, let's go all in and invest on these super, you know, much higher tier price assets. That's an awful idea because all of those assets, fast forward two months later, are going to be totally underwater um, because the price of oil is so low and you are competing with nation states like Saudi Arabia and Russia who, you know, yeah, they're agreeing to production cuts. Who knows what that's going to mean? But I mean, these companies or these nation states could survive with oil at 15 to 20 a barrel for years and they may just do that um, as demand shrinks. And then we're going to see a massive wave of bankruptcies in the oil and gas sector. This is. Is why literally the next day after this oil price collapse, we've seen Donald Trump get ready to you know talk about a bailout or some sort of stimulus package for oil producers um, because so many of them are about to go bankrupt, and I think that at a high level here is what. Um, this moment re- yesterday represented for the oil market yes oil prices aren't really negative it was just the futures contract but the structural long-term demand of oil um, is looking weaker than ever and it's looking like the the, the price of oil long term could be much lower than people were expecting because of this new structural demand and this the way the geopolitical situation is working out with Russia and Saudi Arabia um, in my opinion going to be drowning out all other oil producers um, who just don't have a you know who just can't compete on, on uh, with a higher cost structure and so I think this is a fascinating thing to watch. And now, how does this relate into the electric vehicle market, um, you know, if the price of oil continues to collapse, stays at these levels, the price of your gas pump's going to go way down, could even blow be a dollar a gallon, you know, unprecedented uh, deflation in the cost to fill up your car. So how does that affect the total cost of ownership of, you know, let's say an electric vehicle versus a non-electric vehicle? So... You know, before this, the gas car was actually way expensive to, you know, refuel or recharge in the electric vehicle you're plugging in at home, usually like 33% of what you'd be paying at the gas pump per unit of, you know, per mile uh, driven, uh, just way more efficient to use it at home. So even if the price of oil collapses, maybe it comes closer onto par, you know, that's a really small amount of the total cost of ownership, you know, maybe 5% at most dramatic change because of this oil price movement. And so I don't think people were buying Tesla because, you know, the price of oil was so high that it was making their gas car look too expensive. I think this is truly a lifestyle industry shift. And although on some level, you might say this is going to, you know, okay, it might, you know, it does make it a little bit cheaper to operate gas cars, it could, for a very small amount of people, cause them to not go electric yet, but I think, inevitably, the inflection point has already passed. The technology of batteries, drivetrain, charging, is all getting better and better and better, you know, the internal combustion engine technology is stagnating, and I already think Tesla, in my opinion, has reached that inflection point and is way better than the internal combustion engine, and this small change in gas prices is not going to stop that, and even if it does slow it down a little, that massive tidal wave of improving technology is what will drive The adoption of Teslas and electric vehicles, not a slightly cheaper economic situation right now. And so that's my view on how this will affect the automotive market. And then on the flip side, you know, we're seeing all this craziness in oil. I just read a Bloomberg article about how uh, GM and Ford are running into massive problems with their balance sheet and our house of cards, something I've been saying on the channel forever because these companies are basically banks. They're loaning, you know, uh, loaning financing operations so that you can buy a car for a super cheap interest rate. They're guaranteed, you know. And, and what are the, what is that loan backed by? That loan uh, is backed by this asset which you have. You have to return the car if you can't make your payments or whatever, right? And so, all of the assets and you know cash flow lines on GM and Ford. A, I think they probably did, did an over you know a crappy job figuring out who they were going to loan to. The credit ratings aren't great. A lot of those people have gotten laid off. That's going to look really ugly. But at the same time, the asset that's backing all of le- these loans, the internal combustion uh, engine car, the price of that is. F- crumbling the 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 trajectory the model of how these prices last over time for the internal combustion engine is crumbling nobody wants these used cars there's a massive influx of supply um and i see this potentially being you know just as much as the oil companies are a house of cards built on you know financing you know reserves and all of that things with debt and keeping the dividend going i think gm and ford are as well and so This is really, really fascinating. I just think we're just scratching the surface of seeing all of the economic and financial market fallout from the illness 19 crisis. So anyway, I hope this leaves you with more questions than answers. Crazy moment in financial history. Would love to know what you think about, you know, all of this in the comments below, your theories about geopolitical, you know, oil pricing strategies, uh, Willis effect, the electric vehicle adoption, you know, how are GM and Ford doing with their balance sheets? Let me know in the comments. Um, I read them all. I try and reply to a bunch of them. Um, Anyway, huge shout out to our Patreon supporters, producers, on the channel. I'll see y'all next time. Peace.